0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere,
2: Hello there and it's the Analyst Inside Cricket's last episode of the winter. Next week we're going to be looking ahead to the county season but it's been an eternal winter for England. In fact, they've been on tour for 157 days. Now if you count the fact they left England on the 28th of October and they're returning in the next couple of days. So it's been an absolute marathon and sorry to say they haven't won a single test match in that time after New Zealand defied them valiantly on the last day in Christchurch Simon, you've watched England now on tour in Test cricket, not only for the whole of this winter, but most of last winter as well. And it's, it's 18 months, actually, since they last won a Test match away from home. Is it becoming a bit of an exasperating experience, watching England away?
1: I think I've recalibrated the way I view England away from home, particularly, I don't expect them to do particularly well. I didn't expect them to do particularly well in India last winter. I expected them to lose the Ashes. I thought this series here in New Zealand would be tough for them, with Bolt and Southey and Wagner in New Zealand's attack, and Williamson and Taylor experienced old hands in that New Zealand middle order, and it, it's proved to be the case. Southey was man of the match here, Bolt was man of the match in the, in the last Test match. Uh, England are a team... In transition, they have got too many holes in their side, too many question marks over some of their players. So, is it just a question of expectation, really? I did not expect them to do particularly well this winter.
2: Well, that's a, a fairly uh, pragmatic answer, I suppose. Well, we're going to review England's overall winter in this episode, and later also, we're going to talk to Ian Smith, the famous New Zealand commentator, the guy we bigged up as, well, in my view, the best commentator in the world. He's going to talk to us a little bit about what he thinks about England and actually a little bit about what he thinks about Australia as well. But first, we should just look at England's winter overall. And I've totted it up. And actually, if you take the uh, one-day series into account as well, and of course England have had a good one-day series overall in the winter, but it's, uh, if, you com- if you combine test and one-day cricket... Played 21, won 8, lost 11, drawn 2. And, of course, all those one eights were in one-day cricket, predominantly the ODI series in Australia. Test matches, played 7, won 0, lost 5, drawn 2. And, as I said, the last test win away from home for England was 18 months ago. And one or two sort of quite revealing stats, I suppose, um, Stuart Broad, who looks as if he'd come back to uh, something close to his best in this last Test match, and Jimmy Anderson, over the winter in Test cricket, 47 wickets at the average of 29. The other bowlers, 34 wickets at 74. So, one thing for sure is that England are still hugely reliant on Broad and Anderson, and I'm sure they'll still be highly effective at home,
1: but you do wonder about England just finding that threat away from home. Well, that's what I was talking about, holes in the team, really. They, they do need some support. Wood and Leach played in this Test match. Wood picked up a couple of wickets today. Leach picked up a couple of wickets today. So they, they lent a hand here. England couldn't quite get across the line. And, of course, you look at the top order as well. Lots of question marks against the top order. England's batting the the top three, Cook, Stoneman, uh, Vince. Stoneman and Vince making half centuries in this test match. Stoneman actually making two half centuries in the series. Trevor Bayliss said afterwards, after the draw in Christchurch, he said, you know, I, I said to him, you know, do you see them continuing? And he said, well, yeah, probably, because who else is there? And he actually challenged county batsmen to come out and produce the runs that will get them noticed by the selectors before the first test against Pakistan at Lords. it's it's basically your country needs you is anyone going to put their hand up and say right I want a a test match place and I'm good enough to play for England I mean there there are places clearly up for grabs. If we look at
2: England's bowling uh, it, it has been overall disappointing we said that you know Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson did well, and and I thought Broad in this test match, you know, it looked as if the work he's done back in Trent Bridge in the last couple of months, just to get his left elbow round a bit more, pointing towards the batsman when he follows through almost. I mean, the key to fast bowling is to try and get everything in alignment. And what I've always felt with him, and and I'm sure he, he was aware of this himself, is that he was throwing his left arm slightly away towards sort of gully as he let go of the ball. So that's his sort of directing arm, really. And that's caused him to lose pace and tend to angle the ball into the right-handers. And we said all along, you know, he's brilliant at bowling to left-handers, especially from round the wicket. But his problem, and he recognises himself, was getting the ball to leave the right-handers. And actually, if you stay on the line of the, of the wicket a bit more, you know, fractionally longer, that sort of half a second longer in your follow-through, in your delivery... With your left arm, actually more bodies in the action, and therefore your pace should increase and I think his pace in this test match not only was sort of more consistent but actually a little higher than it has been in the ashes. I think he was touching sort of one hundred and forty kilometers which is i don 't know eighty seven eighty seven eighty six miles an hour which is which is a steady a good pace for him, and he was getting that movement i mean he produced that fantastic ball to Kane Williamson, second ball of the day, which really left him and bounced off the pitch. Real vintage
1: Stuart Broad delivery, which gave England hope, but he couldn't find it again. No, I mean, they, they tried really hard. I mean, it's, it's actually great credit to Broad to, to, to go away and think about what is not working with his bowling. In uh, you know, Australia, they had that good time in Melbourne in the the test match there in the the fourth game, took some wickets but actually go away and think at the age of 31, actually to extend my test career i do need to sort myself out and he i think we did see the the benefits here in this test series he, he bowled okay in in Auckland here six wickets in the first innings and he gave england the chance of that burst this morning those two wickets in in two balls it was a, a dramatic start to the day so you know great credit to him to, to go away and actually you, you don't often see cricketers publicly show uh, as he did on social media, publicly show what, what they're trying to do, and they are trying to improve. I mean, you, you, I mean, you can view that how you want, but you know, he, he clearly wants to go on playing for England, determined to extend his Test match career. And it's, it's good to see when a when a bowler does go away and work hard and, and and get the rewards. His perennial partner Jimmy Anderson broke one remarkable
2: record in this Test match. Uh, he's now become the fast bowler who's bowled the most deliveries in Test Cricket. He bowled during his, I think it was his 17th over in Christchurch, he bowled his 30,000th and 20th delivery. So he's now bowled, you know, close to 30,100 deliveries in Test Cricket, which is more than Courtney Walsh, and only less than the three spinners, Cumblay, Shane Warne and Letheran in terms of test history, in terms of deliveries, bowl. I mean, it's an incredible performance that by a fast bowler, and I think he's still got more to give.
1: That's a lot of hard yakka, Simon. Someone should write a book with that title. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ah, ah, ah. Well, I mean, he's a, f- a phenomenal bowler. He has been a phenomenal bowler for England for a long time now. 35 years of age, he said at the start of the series, what's your goal just to get through this series? So he's got through this series, but you 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 made the point at the the start. England do rely on Anderson and Broad so much, and and nothing really has changed over the winter. They'll be happy to get back to English conditions and get back to the Duke's ball as well, which they've used to great effect in the past. But somewhere along the line, someone is going to have to step up and sort of challenge them. You know, there was was uh, just a feeling from Joe Root at the start of this series that they were going to do things differently there was going to be a you know they opened the they opened with uh, wood in the warm up game in Hamilton in one of the innings and wokes in, in the other in the other match just a feeling that you know there was going to be a new ball pair of course you know if you are Anderson abroad you do get to bowl with the new ball you do get to bowl you know in theory in, in the best conditions so but the whole point is that those behind them is to really, you know, challenge them, step up and say, right, no, I'm, I'm, I've gone past them now or I'm approaching them and, and really challenge them. In the way that Trevor Bayliss has put out that challenge to the batsmen as well at the start of this series, you know, who is out there who's good enough to challenge Anderson and Broad and who is out there good enough to challenge those in England's top three. There'll be people saying, well, you know, you don't have to be that good to challenge those people in England's top three based on their performances this winter. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, I certainly hope um, Jimmy
2: Anderson walks better when he's in his 50s than I do because um, it does wreck your knees bowling fast and actually he's bowled probably a similar number of balls in test cricket to the the number that I bowled in county cricket and I figured out actually that if you factor in that you put six times your body weight through your knee every time you land and you multiply that by, well, 30,000 it comes out at... 22,000 tons of weight put through your knee over your career, and that is similar to one of those quite big ferries that goes across the channel. There's one of the sort of the Brittany ferry is what you basically put through your knee in a career of fast bowling. So I hope that that somewhere along the line, Anderson's footwear, because actually, he does, I think, throws he gets a new pair of boots practically every match because the shock absorbers in them obviously only last a certain amount of time, whereas uh, he gets through a pair of boots every match or two, I I probably only had about three pairs of boots in my whole career, and sometimes they were odd boots as well. So uh, it wasn't really uh, the the, the kind of footwear that was going to help your future, whereas at least now uh, their bodies are better equipped with the, the kind of kit that they wear. So it now is, as you say, the opportunity for somebody to stand up and say, you know i want to be the next jimmy anderson i want to be someone who can really make make big inroads and chris wokes has sort of hovered around that role but hasn't really quite nailed it down he was averaging 49 in the ashes and um, mark wood you know has looked good in in bursts but hasn't been able to really put it together as, as a test career i thought he looked encouraging in this test match but You know, he's got to find another way of taking wickets other than bowling the short ball. And then the the hunt for a spinner goes on as well. And Jack Leach, to me, you know, we said at the start, really, uh, that he doesn't look a, a bowler who really spins the ball. He's consistent and, you know, fairly reliable. But he lacks a little bit of real spite as a spinner. And I don't think at the moment he's got quite enough variety. He's probably been able to... In county cricket, just bowl the same ball time and time again on quite often helpful wickets down at Taunton and taken a stack. But in test cricket, on flatter pitches, you've got to have a, a, a real threatening ball in the fourth innings of a test match on a drying pitch and also a little bit more guile, a little bit more variety. Use the crease, different paces, perhaps slightly different grips to get the one to drift into the, the batsman as well as try to spin one away doesn't look as if he's
1: quite got that range of skills yet. But maybe he'll acquire them. Is that why they haven't picked him until now? Uh, it might well be the case. They weren't that convinced that he, he's got everything. And we got to the stage eventually where his record in county cricket, bowling on, on helpful services, meant he, he had to be picked. You, you, Mason Crane had that back injury and he went home. Uh, Moen Ali has been ineffective this winter, so he was dropped for this Test match. You know, in a way, they, they had to have a look at, at Jack Leach. I mean, uh, his, his debut was um, OK, wasn't it? I mean, he, he was steady, uh, picked up a couple of wickets today. I mean, presumably they're going to have to c- persevere with him. I mean, it's that other aspect of it as well is you know who else is there I suppose you know spinners we talk about batsmen stepping up at the start of the season I mean traditionally that's not a time for spinners is it so you know, it's going to be very hard for a spinner to sort of force their way through in in the first month or so of the championship season so Jack Leach I imagine will be given a more opportunity in England this summer in the test side well let's hope he grabs that opportunity so that's kind of the
2: bowlers looked at for England. Uh, After the break, we'll consider England's batsmen. Okay, well, let's have a look at uh, England's batsmen over the winter, and uh, particularly we should just look at the fact that in the 13 innings that England have played in Test cricket, they've only managed two totals of over 400 and six of under 300 out of those 13. So, generally, the the batting's been disappointing. Actually, if you also look at the averages of England's batsmen and the opposition batsmen, England's batting has averaged 28 per wicket during the winter, and the opposition's batting has averaged 46 per wicket over the winter. Now, you could say, well, England's bowlers have been ineffective, and that's partly why, but also it's a a poor indictment of England's batting that they're only averaging 28 per man over the winter. Joe Root has been the standout um, in actually all cricket in the winter, including the one-dayers. He's still averaging 51, which is amazing, really, considering he's played all those one-day matches as well as the test matches. But he's only scored the 100. Actually, the the leading centurion in the winter has been Johnny Bairstow, with 400s in both one-dayers and tests. But you sort of look at England's batting, and at, at the moment, you've got Root and Bairstow... And well, obviously with Stokes missing for most of the winter,
1: not much else. Well, they haven't learnt a lot this winter, have they? They, they? they knew they had these problems at the start of the winter and they're still there. Nothing has been solved. And that's not particularly surprising when you don't win a test match, you know, seven test matches and you don't win any of them. Where do they go from here? Where are the players? Who do you think are the players that could come in? Or do they persist with Stoneman? Do they persist with Vince and, and Cook? Continues. I mean, there are people out there saying, oh, you know, Alistair Cook's gone, you know, it's time for him to, you know, call the end of his Test match career. You said yesterday on on the podcast, England simply can't afford that because they just don't have the quality. And, you you know, you'd hope that somewhere along the line, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later, Alistair Cook would rediscover the sort of form that he showed in Melbourne and that he's shown in the past.
2: Yeah, well, I think that uh, I still believe that. I think Cook is someone who is only 33, and I know obviously the 12 years of Test cricket must have taken a huge amount of toll, but he's not playing one day cricket now. He's not trailing around the world playing in T20s or IPLs or anything. Uh, he has the opportunity now to go back and play for Essex, who are in the first division, so, you know, decent bowling attacks to face. And I think as long as he rediscovers the enjoyment and the fluency of his batting for Essex in the first month of the season, I see no reason why he shouldn't carry on playing for England. And, you know, they can ill afford to lose someone who's got the ability to bat for a day and a half. Looking at the other players, Stoneman worries me a bit because he's managed to to get some starts... But he hasn't been able to kick on. And what England desperately need is people to score big runs—one fifties and two hundreds—is what really turns Test matches, influences Test matches, not fifties and sixties. And it seems to me he gets a start, but then he doesn't know how to carry on. He gets bogged down by a, quite often a succession of short balls directed into his ribs. It, he kind of calf gets through that and then has a go at one or flinches at one or something and gets out. And he just seems to get very bogged down and doesn't have to, doesn't seem to have the, the understanding of how to build a really big innings. And the same really applies to, to James Vince, who I, I just don't see how you can keep picking a guy who's now played 13 tests... And he's averaging 24. I know he scored a a 70-odd. And it was a a nice, polished, fluent 70-odd in the second innings of this Test match. But, you know, he's averaging 24 in 13 Test matches. Many of them played at number three. That, to me, is just not good enough. So I will be looking at some younger players. I would be looking at Nick Gubbins, for one. Who I think is someone who is quite an adaptable player. He's a real student of the game. He's very bright. He's another left-hander, admittedly. But, you know, maybe that's the way of the world at the moment. The left-handers seem to be piling on all the runs, wherever you look, and left-handed opening batsmen all over the place. But he's someone, I just think, who's got a good game plan, and he's good at batting long periods. He was a guy who was on the fringes two years ago before he got injured, so I'd certainly look at him. And there, there are other guys out there. Obviously, Liam Livingstone on this tour, has made a bit of a name for himself, playing well in one of those warm-up games. He's won. We've talked about Sam Hain of, of Warwickshire 140. What about someone like Sam Northeast as well, who keeps churning out runs for Kent and is now playing at Hampshire? So, you know, maybe someone like him deserves an opportunity. As you say, and as Trevor Bailey has said, go on, somebody out there, put their hand up and say...
1: Yeah, I'll offer you another name as well. What about Hasib Hamid of Lancashire, who actually of all the players that England have picked in the last couple of years, two or three years, he is the one I thought was just looked the part you know, almost more than anybody else. And of course he had that bad hand injury in Chandigarh and his career has gone downhill since then. I, I wonder if you know, he's the player that we'll look at again This summer and say, well, is he an option? Of course, he's got to go out there and score runs. That's the challenge from Trevor Bayliss. But technically and temperamentally, you talk about having the temperament as well to, to occupy the crease, make big hundreds. He is someone who seemed to have that. Well, certainly
2: he's got the kind of method that you reckon would work in test cricket. And he's made a start in India before that unfortunate Injury. Then he's had a year to to recalibrate and actually a disappointing year for Lancashire last year. But, you know, this is a new season. It's a great time, actually, to be a county player, I think. Kind of, you know, first week of April, looking forward to a new season. The grass is just starting to, to poke its head above the permafrost we've had pretty much for about two months, certainly in the north. And I don't know that, you know, just that smell of mown grass It just gets your nostrils going, gets your juices flowing as a cricketer. And you can just put aside what happened last year, if you had a poor year for your county. It all starts again. The the slate is clean. So somebody like Hamid, wow. I, I mean, I'd love to be him now, just thinking ahead to the opportunity over the next three or four months. Is he good enough? I felt, I felt that the, 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 there was one little technical thing about him. He played very low with his hands. And it works OK in someone like India where there's not much bounce when you're playing forward. But when you play forward on a slightly bouncier pitch, and you know some of the English pitches are reasonably bouncy, test pitches, then you can get into trouble. You can get hit on the hands. And that's, in fact, what happened to him, of course. He did get hit on the hand and, and broke his hand. So that's my one little worry with him. Uh, Nasser Same was someone who had that. Habit and people used to call him Poppadom fingers because his fingers broke at the slightest provocation. Uh, But he managed to get through a a test career, even with that sort of funny method. Uh, And so hopefully, Hamid can do the same. But someone out there has a wonderful opportunity. Right, well, I said I'd get the Kiwi commentator Ian Smith on and I asked him first about the pride in his country after their fantastic defiance on that last day.
3: Incredible day, really, wasn't it? I mean, it's, uh, I think that's one of the great beauties of Test cricket. It just throws up the most unlikely heroes in difficult uh, situations, and obviously we had a couple in that last session, Ish Sodi and, uh, and Neil Wagner, who clearly uh, are on the side to get wickets, not save wickets, but it was just... It just—they got more and more determined. They dug deeper and deeper, and um, England just weren't able to come up with the answers. And they, they gave it everything. I don't—I can't really. I look back on it. I, did, did Joe Root miss a trick? Did he miss anything really? And I—I'm not really sure that he did. I think he tried, covered most bases in the attempt to get it. So, hey, look—we're—we're we're pretty happy about it down here. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, after losing two wickets in the first two balls, including Kane Williamson, we're all booking early flights. So. And uh, here we are, 24 hours later, still trying to get out of Christchurch. So it was an amazing turnaround. Um, Yeah, a a hell of a test match, actually, to be honest. Uh, uh, You know, great crowds, pretty good weather. Governed a little bit by daylight saving, which we have over here. And and the officials sort of, I think, not getting it right in terms of the playing hours, they sort of, overcompensated and I think that might in the, in the end of denied England about half an hour of cricket and that may well have been enough but both both the teams sat down and agreed for those playing conditions so obviously no complaint there but yeah I mean it's been uh, since what 1983-84 since we were able to, uh, to win a series that was against um, Uh, the side that had Gower and Botham and Lamb and Gessing and all those terrific players and we thought there was something back then, we thought it might be a bit more regular than waiting till now but it's happened and uh, the whole country's pretty damn pleased
2: That was the tour that there was quite a lot of shenanigans off the field I seem to remember Uh, I think you're right (laughs) Obviously you weren't involved in them then
3: the shenanigans, no, I was just a baby then Um, I think that was about my first ever series against England, so I was just a a newbie, so I was early to bed, early to rise you know, like yours so I had no idea, but
2: I just picked up up the paper each morning and found out what you guys were up to. (laughs) Well, you might be early to bed, but you're certainly not very early to rise as far as I'm aware. Anyway um, what, what, what did you make of England overall? I mean, we are now fifth in the ICC test rankings New Zealand a third and, you know, deservedly so, really, after this performance. Well, what did you think of England's team?
3: England had got some issues um, at the top of the order. You know, early wickets, I think uh, the longest uh, an England partnership lasted was around about 12 overs or 10 overs at the most. So it's certainly not good enough in Test cricket. And that was a theme in Australia as well. So issues at the top of the order. So, you know, decision time, I think, for Alice the Cook. What he's got to find, I think, is has he got the desire to work on a couple of issues and, and try and keep playing or has 12,000-plus runs, uh, has he done enough? Of course, he's done enough. They'll go down as one of, the, of England's greats. But when you're looking to change and you're looking to um, to, to improve, you are still got to make those tough decisions. So I, I'm not sold on Stoneman uh, and I'm not, I'm not sold on Vince either in Milan. They just keep getting out the same way. So real issues, I think, in the batting. You've got to get, get back to making big scores. So the raging bowling attack, and uh, not one second thing that Anderson and Border finished, but they're getting closer than they, uh, they were. So you've got to get big totals to protect the new bowlers coming through.
2: I suppose it, it hasn't uh, escaped your notice what's been going on in Australia and obviously in South Africa. Uh, has there been a sort of wry chuckle? from New Zealand quarters about all the stuff going on over the Tasman or is there a, an element of feeling you know, slight sympathy as well?
3: No, there's no sympathy. Um, I, I think the man on the street over here and the, the, the average sporting fan is absolutely loving it. Um, you know, we're, we've been on the receiving end as much as any other team over the years. Uh, we've had a number of players that I've spoken to over the years who have caught barrages from Australian teams while they've been betting and There's no sympathy at all over here. There's no-one crying for Warner. There's no-one crying for Steve Smith or Co. And we're watching with interest now just uh, see Shane Warnes come out and said more heads must roll. Which heads they are, I don't know how how high it'll go. But, you know, people like James Sutherland and, and Pat Howard and those guys that are involved in it, I mean, they can only do so much. You're talking about grown men here. If they want to behave in an insulting fashion time after time after time, if they want to bring personal issues into the game, Sooner or later, it's come back to bite them. And, you know, the big ugly bulldog has come back and got them this time round. So there is no sympathy uh, this far away from Australia. We're next door neighbours. But honestly, when it comes to this sort of stuff, no, nah. nah they, they got, they, they've given up, now they are taken it.
2: Well, good to hear Ian Smith not sitting on the fence regarding the Australians there anyway. Now, what about you, Um, you know, being away for four months?
1: What have you enjoyed the most and what are you looking forward to the most? (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a good question. What am I looking forward to the most? Well, you know, going home and seeing my family. I hope they recognise me when I get home. And that's the joys of, of, of FaceTime, actually. You can keep in touch. And what a, a wonderful revolution, technological revolution that is, to be able to keep in touch with those people at, at home. I think I'm actually looking forward to going home and not having to ask an England cricketer or an England coach a question like, uh, what went wrong? Uh, how can you change things? that that sort of thing i would be just glad to sort of put cricket behind me uh, for a month or so but of course the next test match is not that far away is it it's the it's the 24th of may it's a monumental winter that england have been involved in but the the cricketing surf circus just rolls on and on and on the ipl is coming up fairly soon as well and it, lots of england cricketers will be involved in that i'm thinking i think of someone like chris wokes who's had a, a really Big winter in terms of his cricket commitments. He's, he's going to the IPL and then straight back into a, an English season. He got injured last year, of course, when he went to the IPL and he, he was out of the Champions Trophy. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward, I think, just to putting cricket behind me for a little bit anyway.
2: <laughs> it doesn't happen, does it? You're right, because the IPL starts in about four days and a couple of players whose winters were sort of blighted in different ways... Uh, We'll be looking forward to that. Alex Hales has got a gig to replace David Warner at Sunrise's Hyderabad. And of course Ben Stokes is heading out to play for the Rajasthan Royals after missing most of the winter for England. His back uh, obviously restricted his bowling
1: and that's going to be a, a bit of an issue isn't it don't you think? Well, yeah, you'd you think so, and England will be monitoring that, I'm sure. He, he, he bowled a few overs today, he a few overs yesterday. He's so important. I mean, in a, in a way, it, it would be wrong uh, not to look at Stokes at the end of our review of the winter, because in a way, his his absence dictated a lot for England. They have more problems than... than just not having Ben Stokes in their side, but his absence was, you know, loomed over the whole winter. Certainly in Australia and here as well, because he wasn't able to bowl. You think, oh, get Ben Stokes back in the side. England will have that perfect balance again to their batting order and to their bowling lineup. And of course, he wasn't able to really take part as a bowler in this Test match and in this Test series, and that hampered them. I mean, the sooner England get Ben Stokes fit back into their side, you know, be able to do everything that he, he does, then they will be a clearly a, a better side. But I think this conversation shows, doesn't it, that there are holes in the England side and there probably will be holes in the future and England are in for, you know, a, an up-and-down time. Those people are saying, oh, you know, sack the coach, sack the captain. And there are people out there saying that on social media. You know, he needs to go, someone else... Bring someone else in, you know, uh, uh, revamp the whole side. You know, that isn't necessarily doesn't feel like the right answer. But you know, on the other side of that, it it does feel as if England are in for a a difficult period. They really will be, I think. They really will be challenged by India this summer. There's a two-match series against Pakistan at the start. We don't, you know, quite know how that's going to go. We don't quite know the strength of Pakistan coming to England at that time of the year. But I think they'll really will be challenged by India in the test series which begins at the the end of the summer and lots of the Indian players are coming to play. They're taking their preparation really seriously before that test series. Coley's playing for Surrey, for example. You know, he wants to really prove himself in England this time. It's gonna be a fascinating series and England you know, despite the fact that England normally do well at home and teams generally do well at home, I just wonder whether, you know, India will really, really Uh, provide a stiff test for them this summer that's what it feels like at the moment anyway at at this stage after what's been a disappointing winter
2: well 157 days of disappointment interspersed with one or two highlights when england won the one day series against australia is over the sun hasn't quite poked itself uh, above the clouds in england yet but i think it's due to by the weekend and so what i'm going to do and hopefully you as well actually when you're back is is get round the counties a bit and check out the, the talent and the form and the ability of one or two aspiring England players. So keep listening to this podcast. We're going to go back to a regular Monday slot and we'll look for the next month at least at some of those promising players around the county circuit. Don't forget this podcast is in association with The Cricketer Magazine and you can get 20% off your subscription of The Cricketer Magazine by going to www thecricketer.com forward slash podcast and you'll get your 20% off there for the annual subscription of the cricketer the current issue is previewing the county season with a huge page dedicated to each county so please subscribe to that simon safe travels back to the uk and we'll speak to you on monday thanks for listening